Fifth Age, and today I have a side discussion from our Fianor episode, where we talk about the Silmarils themselves. Here it is! We're talking about light at one point. We were. So we, we And I did covered... have, I have oh. one more thing to say. About light? About the light of the Silmarils specifically. Okay. So in the end, one of the Silmarils ended up with Elrond's father. I'm not going to go through the whole history, read the Silmarillion. It, nope. Read the front of the Vala and Maya Middle-earth role-playing book, the Vala and Maya. That's more likely, but also probably not because I gave you my Merp stuff. Oh, yeah. It's 17 pages long and it's the entire <laughs> Silmarillion. It's everything you need to know. Oh, guys. So there you go. If you're like me and you can't stand to read the Silmarillion for just more than a few minutes that. at a time, just grab the, which, what is it? Uh, the Valar and the Maiar. So one of the, one of the coolest things, uh, this was like 10 years ago, I went to a store in the Twin Cities. Uh, I had a friend, someone I knew worked at a place, I think the shop that printed the Iron Crown Enterprises stuff. Really? When they discontinued, and I went and I just bought all the Merpo books I could find. It wasn't a lot, but um, I, I went to a place and there was like a bin of Merp books, and I was like, jackpot, but I was broke, just out of college student, so couldn't buy that many. Um, the thing I was actually going to talk about. Light. Light. So um, the light of the Silmarils is the light of the trees. Yes. Which was created by Yavanna. It's a holy light. Yavanna! Yavanna! Elrond's father ended up with one of the Silmarils, Arendil, that was Elrond's father. And he, Arendil was turned into a star by the Vala. So the light of the star, Arendil, is the light of a Silmaril. Oh. Shining on, he's bound to his brow and he's on a ship in the sky and it goes around. The light of Arendil was put into the file of Gladriel. So Frodo has the light of a Silmaril. And it burns Shelob. Oh, that's why it burns Shelob, because it's yes. the blood of a Silmarillion that's been blessed by Varda. Yes. Oh, I, I was always want... wondering. So ever since you told me that the uh, Ungoliant eat light, I was like, why is she hiding from this light? It didn't make any sense to me. Because it's the light of a Silmaril and it's hallowed and it burns evil things that touch it. That is really cool. Isn't that amazing? That, that touched the light. I mean, obviously, because yeah. Ungo- not Ungoliant, Shelob recoils from this yeah, yeah, light, yeah, like it, it burns her. I just want to make sure that's not not touching the file that gets you. I mean, I don't, I don't. It's the no, but the light is well. Not... She recoils from it, yeah. so so clearly this is something that she doesn't want to be close to. Whether mm-hmm. or not it actually hurts her, I mean, it's like when you blow a hot air near a spider, right? Like it, it they doesn't like actually that. hurt it, but it like doesn't want to be near that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a. I just thought that was a neat little tidbit. Yeah, that is a cool tidbit. So, very cool. And it's also interesting that Galadriel is one that gives it to him. Galadriel has harnessed the light of the Silmaril. Oh, wow. Man. I don't know if she made it. Well. But it doesn't matter. Anyway, this explains. Um, this explains why in Alan Lee's work, sometimes you will see elves with a light in the middle of their brow, maybe. If it's a picture of Arendil, absolutely. And, well, not just that. They, they Elves put shiny things across their foreheads yes yes they do that's kind of what i was getting at oh like, yeah not just not just uh Arendil himself but like the there's the sparkle I, I don't know if it's a sparkle effect necessarily but they're often like a sparkly thing that they're wearing across or their crowns get uh ornate near the center of the forehead 
elf lords that are like at the height of their power are often described as having a gem bound to their brow. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm. That's yeah. what you're talking about. And That's it, what I'm talking about. And it about. is. It shows up. It shows up several times, and I can't remember exactly when, but it does show up. And and Alan Lee found it, and it it is beautiful when he when he renders it. Now that you've told me that, maybe this is just a continuation of the Light of Arendelle, you know. Or and I mean, I believe that the idea of you know he had a, a jewel bound to his brow. It, I think that comes before Arendelle. I think it's just a thing. Like, so maybe like, the maybe the yeah. fact that it was bound to his brow was that's where you put it was derivative yeah. from the culture that already existed. Maybe. That's interesting. It is it is fascinating, but I I do love that the the light that Frodo has to guide him through Mordor is the light of a Silmaril. That after, is pretty amazing. After all that has happened with the Silmarils that some good comes of it. Well, and and that he let this be a light. What does she say? Let this be a light to you in dark places. In dark places when all hope is lost. Yeah. Which is quite a thing for her to say about the light of a Silmaril. Well, and Arendil, the story of Arendil is even more interesting than that. It's one of my favorite stories. It's one of the first stories that Tolkien wrote about elves. And it's, um, I am a huge Arendil fangirl. I am not going to lie. He, he managed to sail to Valinor after Valinor was sundered from the earth to beg the Valar to help against Morgoth in Middle-earth. And he made it. Huh. And his reward for like suing for pardon for the elves essentially first of all the the pardon was granted so elves could return to valinor the ones that left his wife who um was being hunted by the sons of fionor because she hadn't she had a silmaril she had leapt in she leapt into the ocean to save the silmaril and was turned into a gull and she flew and found her husband arendil so she had a silmaril they had a Silmaril when they got to Valinor. Ah. And so to protect it from Fionor's sons, they put him in the sky as a star. Huh. So this is, so the star of Arendelle. That's really cool. Star of Arendelle is. That's one of, the, that's one of the first stories he wrote about the elves? About Arendelle the Mariner, yeah. And the star of Arendelle is a star of hope because he managed to get back and, and ask the Valar what? for help. And the Valar intervened in the war against Morgoth. Because of him. I, there's more to this, too, though, because more than you know, maybe, because in English culture, nautical terms and nautical history is huge. I would imagine, yeah. And in the childhood of Tolkien, the power of the British Empire is still in memory. Mm-hmm. And the Age of Sail, when the light of stars was power, mm-hmm. literally, like this, the like ability you knew the to, stars, you could get anywhere. Right. Seeing the stars was very important. And, you know, before GPS, right, this was GPS. Mm-hmm. And understanding the stars allowed you to navigate and allow, and being able to navigate by the stars. I don't know if I can communicate effectively to those of you that don't already know how important that was to the founding of the British Empire. The ability to navigate by stars allows you to travel at a speed accurately that no one else could come close to in any other way at this time period. And if we want to take it to Tolkien's time, he wrote a lot of Lord of the Rings uh, while he was on watch for the RAF at night, looking at the sky. A lot of the things he did do were intentional, and his language is always intentional. 
but I'm not sure that if he that he realizes how much of his own personality and his own personal views are just stamped out in his world. I don't know if he ever would have gotten beyond that autobiographical part of the author's journey because, like, he, he only ever made one thing. He only ever made one thing. He had so much to say about it. Um, so back to Fionor. Oh. I mean... Well, Unless I was going to say one more thing about Age of Sail, which is that yeah. uh, I, I was trying to come up with a way to, to adequately convey this. Ships play a role that nothing else can play. Yes. I guess what I'm getting at is the structure of the world that he's built. You have the elves, which are sort of the link, for me anyway, and maybe I misunderstand, but this is the link for me between men and gods, are, are the elves. Yeah. And structurally, I mean. And... The link between elves and the land of the gods is ships. And the link between ships and the land of the gods is stars. And so you have this train of things which leads back to this, which leads back to the genesis of the world. And the final link in the chain is the stars. And the first link in the chain for the elves is the stars. And the last link of the chain is the stars in the story of the Lord of the Rings. And the last, last link for Frodo, who is our viewpoint in the Lord of the Rings, is the stars. Whether or not that's explicitly stated, right? As they travel to the West, that's the only way you can travel by sea. And it makes the Silmarils and the elves make sense in a way that they never made sense to me before this conversation. That warms my withered old heart. <laughs> So thank you. All right, Fionor. Fionor. So where were we? What uh, We had just finished up talking about light. The purpose of the Silmarils was, was the last question I had. Yes. Yeah, so, Did they have a purpose? You know, I don't know. But I'm going to speculate. So my first note here, I've got notes, by the way. Of course I do. Um, my first thought was, you know, unobtainium. <laughs> MacGuffin. Oh my goodness. This book is called The Silmarillion. It's ostensibly about the Silmarils, but it drives the culture. It drives the language. It drives the underlying culture of the elves. This is the conflict in the history of the elves that creates the drama. It creates the sadness and the melancholy of the Third Age in Galadriel and Elrond. They have this, the, the elves of Lord of the Rings have this melancholy about them. And there's this, there's this history Tolkien was really interested in language. That was his passion. Yeah. And, and in order to build a language, he needed to build a culture to have the language. And that's what the Silmarillion is, is the history. And the history has tragedy in it. And this is the tragedy of the elves, is the Silmarils. Remember? And Fionor being a jerk. They are the greatest work of Fionor that are based on the greatest work of Yavanna. Yeah. Right? And possibly it's the Teleri, if you look at the Book of Lost Tales. Um, the Possibly the greatest work of any non-deity in the, Lord of the Rings or in the Silmarillion. The other thing that's fascinating to me about the Silmarils, now that you've told me about the Pearl, is that this is a creation not simply of craftsmanship. This is a creation of nature, craftsmanship, and the gods. It also, it also includes light of candles, the light of other gems. The light aspect of it is you know from it's the spirit element you have the natural element and you have the the work of men right the work of hands yes 
and and the work of the gods from from the light of the trees it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing it is and but it also makes sense out of why this is so important to the world and so important to the people that know about them because it is this representation of not just the ideas of eru but the ideas of the entirety of creation condensed into a thing yes you're putting it so much better than I could. <laughs> they, have an, uh, they have an importance that, again, I never really understood. I never understood why they were such a big deal. They're shiny gems for me right up until this conversation. There's this depth to them that just doesn't... You need all the background to it to really understand it. But also that you need the work of gods, that you need the work of men, that you need the work of nature, that you need the spirit of the universe to all come together the spirit of fire even we can say right well because he put some of himself into to it to come all together we see this theme recur in this is how Tsarin is defeated when you're when you're talking about this right now when you said the the work of these things all i could think of as a as an ex-catholic is the father the son and the holy spirit <laughs> that is exactly oh, what sure. this is sure the human the nature and uh-huh. the divine coming together in, so see in that? three objects, right? So see that, C.S. Lewis, you can't have allegory without it being obvious. <laughs> we don't all need to be Jesus lions. <laughs> anyway, so, yes, we understand the Silmarils now. They are the only light f- remaining from the trees. Unless you ag- agree with Fionor that the light survives in Galadriel's hair, this is the last light of the trees. Let's be honest, Fionor's just being a creepy old man at that point. I mean, he's immortal, so he doesn't really age, but sure. Well, that's it for this time. As always, we'd love to hear your questions. You can contact us on Twitter at 5th Age Podcast, on Facebook, or by email at show at 5th You can even sign up on the 5th Age website to leave a comment directly on the show notes. If you want to help more people find The Fifth Age, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform you get the show from. The music, as always, is provided by the amazing Dr. Turtle. You can find him on Bandcamp. Thanks for hanging out with us. See you next time.